0: You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast, this is episode number 57. Hello and welcome, my name is Elizabeth van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the Wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in Wool and showcasing those beautiful stories Wool has to tell. Today's guest is Andrew Kukurulu. Andrew is the co-founder of Waverly Mills. Waverly Mills is a wool blanket manufacturer based in Tasmania. Waverly Mills has a company history of over 142 years, which Andrew will tell us all about today on the show. Welcome, Andrew. I'm so pleased to be talking to you today. How are you?
1: Great, Elizabeth. Nice uh, to be joining you on uh, your podcast.
0: Yes, I'm so excited that you were able to... um, yeah, arranged this call today and I would like to invite you to first talk about yourself and the work that you do.
1: Okay, um, so my background, I have um, a little bit of a varied background. I've had uh, a number of years in the textile industry, um, approximately 15 or 16 years in uh, clothing manufacturer and knitwear and then I Basically, from that went on and did um, about 16 years in the tech industry. So I had multiple startups, but um, have now gone back to really my my real love, which is um, textiles and, uh, and being involved with Waverly Mills.
0: Okay. And then why don't you also introduce Waverly Mills to us?
1: So... Waverley Mills is um, one of the oldest or the oldest continuous operating mill in Australia. In fact, it's the only woollen mill left in in Australia. It's uh, based in Launceston in Tasmania and it was started in 1874. Um, It was started uh, by, um, through a government uh, competition where They, the, um, the founder at the time won a competition, won, I think it was 5,000 pounds. I have to, um, uh, get that information correct. And, um, basically built the mill and started the the mill on Distillery Creek. And, um, it's been running under various guises continuously since 1874. But in the last year and a half, um, I got involved to to revitalize the product line, the mill itself, and to um, to bring it back to its um, uh, original um, remit, which is basically making beautiful product again.
0: And your experience from the tech companies and startups, are you bringing that into?
1: Yeah, really nice. so the, my background in tech, I um, uh, really want to take um, the mill um, forward in terms of innovation and technology. Um, we started obviously selling online, which the mill has never really done before. And um, we launched our online site about a year ago to we did it very quietly just to make sure that um, we got it right. And we're actually due for a revamp of that site in, um, in the next um, three to four months. But part of um, my background is also uh, working through tech, was in social media. And um, we're placing more and more emphasis on telling our story through our social media channels, um, both on Facebook and uh, on Instagram. We do a little bit with Twitter, but not much.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I want to come back to, to social media yep. a little bit later in, the, in our talk. But first, maybe um, tell us, can you give us a little bit of a brief history of Waverly Mills? You already started with the founder, um, but then also yep. maybe a few stages, different stages that the company went through.
1: So the company um, has, has had both very, very successful times. So... Um, It used to, so some of the things it used to do, it used to manufacture, um, the first class and business class blanket for, um, Qantas, it used to, so it had a contract with Qantas. It also had a contract with the Toyota car company to make, um, certain aspects of the upholstery and carpet for the cars. It had a very long history in making all types of bedding, so not only blankets, but it used to make dunas in the very early parts of when dunas were um, beginning to come to the fore. It, at its peak, had 123 people working at the mill. So, um, and it's also been very innovative in that um, when the mill was built, they had their own water wheel, which basically produced electricity, and it was... The mill um, was the first building in Launceston to actually have electricity um, through its own power means through the uh, water mill. Um, so it's, it's really had um, a long history in, in um, innovation as well as had some very, very good contracts and quite a you know a reasonable size workforce. Um, in the recent last probably 10 or 15 years, it has not done so well. Um, it lost a couple of contracts. It um, lost its way a little bit on the, on the design side. And they did no marketing, really, for the last um, six or seven years. So it only really would rely on doing orders for other people. So that's been part of its you know, history where it's had some very, very good peaks And, you know, and it has also had some very, very um, low lows, essentially.
0: And is Waverly Mills one of, like, many manufacturing companies? Or is it one of the very few? Maybe put it into perspective of what's going on in Australia in general. Okay,
1: so the textile industry, like most um, um, first world countries, has been... um, um, uh, reduced quite significantly through because of the cost of high wages, the cost of manufacturing um, in places where wages are high. So, most of our textile industry, ha- Australia's textile industry, has gone overseas, so it's imported. So, um, the typical scenario in Australia is the wool is bought from the farmers, sent to either Italy, Japan, China to be returned into fabric. And then sold back to, to Australia to be as fabric as a finished product to be, you know, made into garments, or we buy the finished garment from, from, from people. So um, the mill itself is probably one of the last remaining manufacturing facilities um, in the textile area. Um, there are a few knitting mills still left. There's a couple in, in Victoria. Um, and there's a couple in Queensland. But in terms of woven um, mills, um, Waverley is the last one remaining.
0: Okay, wow. yeah, that, that, So it makes you even more special.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: And, of course, also Tasmania is a very special place. I've had the chance of visiting it uh, two years ago. But please maybe describe what is so special about Tasmania for those who may have never been there.
1: So the beauty around Tasmania is that it doesn't, being detached from the mainland, it is still very untouched. And by that I mean, um, the not to say that this, the, the things in Australia aren't untouched, but there are many regions like the big cities, like Sydney, Melbourne, and so forth, they behave and act like most big cities in the world. But Tasmania is in this unique position where, Water is very pure. Um, the soil is very rich. The temperature is, is fantastic to grow um, produce, um, whether they be apples, cherries and so forth. Um, and again, the, the wool that is grown on the sheep in Tasmania is, is generally very fine. So it's, it's, it's generally slow growing and the temperature is, is um, very conducive to slow-growing wool, and the, the actual fleece is, is um, beautiful to turn into yarn and then produce product from. So um, T- Tasmania is fairly unique in that it has a fairly stable climate, even though it's a little bit cooler, but it's fairly stable. It's not, very, um, it's not as wet as other parts of Australia, and its soil is very, very rich, so um, the combination of all that produces, you know, beautiful product and produce.
0: Yeah, and would you then also only be sourcing Tasmanian wool for your products? We or?
1: in our in our finest in the finer microns we only source Tasman- we only use Tasmanian wool. If we and we do use twenty two micron and twenty nine micron wool but we generally buy that from the mainland. So anything that we do in the finer wool, like 18 and lower, we buy from Tasmania. Um, 22, we generally get from um, New South Wales, as well as 29 micron.
0: And would you then be marketing those blankets that are made from Tasmanian wool also as Tasmanian wool? Or
1: yeah, we do, yeah? absolutely we do. Mm-hmm. I think. It's a very, it's a very um, distinct difference to what um, other people are doing is to say that we can say that our fine micron wool is coming from Tasmania, which makes it a little bit more, um, it's, it's obviously, you know, uh, it's softer, it's, it's, it's a finer wool, it's, and it produces a much more beautiful product.
0: And it has quite a low environmental footprint um, up to yes, the point it has where a it leaves the factory. Food. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the environment in Tasmania is very, very pure and untouched, so it's um, it's it's a it's a fantastic point for us to make.
0: And you also have an other interesting product. I find um, you also make recycled wool blankets and also that's correct some throws. So what made you decide to start
1: that collection? So the recycled blanket came around from. So there was a lot of um, not a lot of waste, but there was a lot of fiber waste and a lot of offcuts that came out of the mill over the years. And um, the recycled blanket was originally de- developed as a um, as a welfare blanket. Um, we had people um, welfare companies coming to us wanting to have a cheap blanket. For the homeless, so the mill developed, um, basically used all of the offcuts, all the old fibre, um, re-ragged it, and then turned it back into yarn and turned it into a recycled blanket. Um, that was that was a program they started about six or seven years ago. But what happened was, as the cost of manufacturing started to increase, um, it started to get out of reach for the welfare companies, and in actual fact, we're re-looking at bringing a blanket back in to a price point where we can offer it to the welfare, um, the, the, the charities so they can supply it to the homeless again because we feel very committed to give back to the community. But the, the original one then started to become a product in its own right and there started to be more and more demand for it so we we have done the recycle blanket in our own range now and offer it as a as a product
0: and do you, so but you only recycle your own waste that comes out of your manufacturing or you buy also other wool so we
1: waste? are now just we're coming to the end of what we have as our own recycled um fiber and so forth so we have limited amount of that coming in, and we are just now um, working with other um, suppliers to give us their waste to be able to then turn. So we're doing tests right now, in fact, to um, bring waste and, and re-ragging it and turning it into yarn, and we're looking for waste streams now out of Australia to, um, to turn into recycled product.
0: Yeah, I saw that one, that your recycled blankets are out of stock. So I was wondering, is it due to high demand, which would be great, or is it due to… So
1: the demand, it's interesting. The demand initially wasn't that strong, but it has become one of our stronger products because people, um, the consumer, is is very interested in in the whole recycling and upcycling um, life um, cycle of of what we do and it has actually become one of our most popular products at the moment
0: yeah and that brings you to new challenges that you need to get more material to recycle
1: (laughs) yeah it's a good thing but we we are looking for particular type of waste streams and and we also want to work with more you know be able to, to use more and more waste streams to turn it into product which is is very doable but we um you know, that, that whole development phase is now starting up at the mill.
0: Yeah, that's a really great story. Um, and I yeah, wish you lots of success with it. And tell Thank us, <laughs> tell us also <laughs> a little bit more about your target audience.
1: So our target audience, that's an interesting one. When I got involved with the mill, the mill was making very traditional products. So it makes um, uh, a traditional blanket, you know, king-size queen, and king-style blanket with a satin finish, and that has been sold in Australia for 100 years. And, and if you speak to anyone in Australia, they've had a Waverly blanket on their bed or they've still got it. So um, the, the target audience was for initially, when I got involved, was really an older market demographic. Um, and I really wanted to revitalise what we were doing in terms of the design and appeal to a younger marketplace and to a marketplace that was more design-orientated and colour-based. And, color based. and um, so we are really um, now um, targeting um, sort of the demographic between early 30s to, to 50, basically, which is a younger demographic than we were with before. And sometimes we are even getting younger than that because of the recycled product. So in terms of wool, blankets and throws, it's it's quite different the way we're targeting our audience now.
0: So a blanket is now maybe more of a kind of fashion item in, in your interior house. Yeah, that's instead right. Instead of they're just a blanket a on the yeah.
1: That's right. So they're using it as a dual purpose, either at the end of the bed or on the couch or using it to decorate you know, to add colour to to their interior, um, and we're finding that colour has really worked for us. When you know, we're not we we purposely stayed away from just doing grey and and um, the traditional basic colours. We added a lot of colour to our palette, and that's been really working well for us.
0: Yeah, I love your colours. They're really amazing. And you also um, started working or partnered with two award-winning Australian designers, um, Rina Barnabé, yes. Barnabé and Kelly Freeman. Uh, where did That's you right. see the benefit of such a design collaboration?
1: Well, it, I mean, the, as I mentioned before, the, the product range that was coming out of the mill before I got involved was very, very basic. I mean, they did a, you know, they did a herringbone design and they did – a woolen blanket, but there was no design aesthetic to the product range. So I, um, I, uh, got Rena and Kelly involved and their brief to them was I took them to the mill, show them what was possible. And I said, you know, you really need to come up with, um, a design stick that we want to target a whole new, you know, demographic. And they went away and we started to, um, we did our first range literally about a year ago, um, was August last year, uh, 2016, and it was a sellout. And um, we've been going strong ever since.
0: And have, I'm not that familiar with those designers, but are they quite well known in Australia?
1: Yeah, they are. So, um, Rita and, well? Kel- <laughs> and Kelly's background is actually in, uh, industrial design. So... Um, they they uh, have award winning lights lighting. They did a lot of lighting. Um, they also did um, a lot of design work in with um, fro- uh, rugs, as in carpet and, and rugs that on the floor. So they've had numerous projects where they've you know um, showcased in Milan, as well as being. Um, selling product here into Australia to some of the better retailers here. So they they um, don't have a traditional textile background and and I think that in a way has actually helped us because they've stayed away from doing traditional type of um, uh, designs for us and I think that's worked for us. It was, a, you know, obviously it was a risk but it was a risk worth taking to... Um, to move the product forward in a really quick and innovative way.
0: Yeah, and do you think also that they were quite known? Did that help as well?
1: I think uh, I think there was an element of that. Yes, we we got some traction because of their their already because of their designs that they had done before. But I think also they weren't um, they weren't they didn't have a signature in in textile that they were used to doing so it was really an open canvas for them to go away and go okay how can we make this you know be really interesting for people to purchase and make it work with their interiors and and so um I think it gave them I gave them a lot of freedom to work um on on their ideas as opposed to giving them a brief and going we want to do this particular we want to stay in this particular area of interior design i just said to them look we need to revitalize our des- you know all our products and designs can you go away and start to think about how you would want that to look and that's what they did and you know the collaboration has been working very well
0: yeah no that's really interesting and yeah that did turn out really beautifully so well done yeah <laughs> Now, you already mentioned earlier that um, you're quite active on social media and um, yeah, you're quite, I saw you're active on Facebook, Pinterest and Instagram and you just also mentioned Twitter. What benefits do you see from your social media engagement?
1: So the benefits we see from social media engagement is telling, being able to tell our story and engaging with people that are interested in our story. So... My objective isn't to have a million followers. My objective is to have, you know, we don't have a massive following on, say, our Instagram account. We, I think we've got 900 and less than 1,000, 950 followers. But we have a very engaged following. So um, we constantly get um, people reaching out to us or interacting with us on when we, we post something. So for me, it's about um, telling about what we're doing, the story behind what we're doing, and how we got there. And it's not just about telling about, you know, saying we've got a new range and, you know, we do that, but we also um, engage people in what happens at the mill or how, where the wool's coming from or where, um, you know, uh, a part of a process, you know, uh, we, we we do things like post um, a slow-mo version, uh, uh, sorry, video, small, slow-mo video of um, a loom weaving and people come back to us and go, well, that's, you know, they, they don't, they're interested in that because they don't, they don't, they don't, people are very interested in the manufacturing process and i think that's something that is really vital to tell the processes that go involved that get are involved in making a product and 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 people want to know more and more about it also the providence of the wool where it comes from and you know how the sheep are treated and and the rest of it so that's all part of the storytelling that we want to be able to to, to convey to people when they're buying our product, then they, they understand what's gone into it as opposed to saying, here's a product, here's a price, and you know, hopefully you like it and you buy it. We kind of really want to get behind the scenes and tell them what's going on. And that's how we treat our social media. It's not just to, to promote. It's not about promoting product. It's about telling about what the mill is going through and what's going on.
0: Yeah, and I think what those two words, storytelling, is, is really the key um, to just promoting, as you said. So, yeah, I agree totally. And can you maybe explain to us how you tell the story differently on the different platforms?
1: Well, for for instance, on I mean, obviously Instagram because it's visual, we try to make the the photo very engaging. And then literally, you know, um, in a very short amount of space, try to to tell what that image is about. But if we then, sometimes if we post on Facebook, we will give a much bigger explanation there because people tend to probably use Facebook on, um, to, to read it a little bit more than they would expect to read it on Instagram. Our interaction so the and just to briefly discuss Twitter we tried we've been trying to get Twitter more and more engaged the users on Twitter but we're not we're not really having much success with that and I feel that Twitter is is really good for a certain type of uh, promotion but I think in the terms of a storytelling platform it's not the sort of place that you would use it to promote what you're doing i think the two platforms for us are really instagram and facebook
0: okay yeah and yeah some people say that twitter works quite well for media and press work but yeah i yeah and maybe having some conversations as some presidents of other nations are doing but uh, right. yeah but probably for storytelling it, it's more engaging on Facebook and Instagram with the images and yeah. combination of text. Do you also do videos? Oh, you said slow motion videos? Is that something yeah, we, you're interested no, in? We,
1: we're no, doing, we're doing more and more video um, on both those platforms. And, and we find um, that's quite engaging and it catches people's eye and they do interact with it. So, yes, we will be doing more and more video as time goes on. And
0: from the quality of your pictures, I assume you do really professional photo shoots.
1: Yeah, we do. Um, one of the things... Uh, so we, we we didn't... When I first started with Wavely with um, getting the product out, we didn't do a traditional photo shoot and put the throws on a bed or put it in that environment. We actually had a model... Um, wrap the throw around them and put it and put her in a in a a great environment to look at mainly you know we do it in Tasmania mainly so people can get a a sense of what you know where the the product is coming from so uh, we do a combination of both now we we kind of are now doing more set based you know the throwers on a bed and we also get a um, a in-situ situation where the and I wanted to to show the, the, um, the fabric or the, the throw in a, in a way that is not stagnant. So by that, I mean, if a model's got it draped over her shoulders, you can, you can see that it's soft and it drapes very well. So it gives you a sense that it's soft and warm and something that you would want to have you, know, you know, on the couch over you or on your lap and so forth, as opposed to just a beautiful interior shot. And so I was trying to get a bit of motion and feeling through both of those types of, of of setups in terms of photo shoots.
0: Okay, cool. And tell me also, I think some companies are struggling on how much resource or how many resources to put into um, social media. So could you maybe share like how many people are working to promote Waverly Mills in social media and how much time does it take each day?
1: So... We we've, we've, I've got one um, person who works three days a week for us um, and they're permanent um, three days a week. And they will do it depends on what's happening at the time with the mill and you know the, the information we want to um, get across. but they uh, it varies. So some some weeks she will be, absolutely flat out for the whole three days using, you know, the different platforms to, to convey what we want to, the story we want to say to write down to, um, you know, we post three times a week. So we would do it on a Sunday night, um, generally, a you know, a Wednesday, sometimes four times a week, Friday morning, and then again on the Sunday. So, you know, sort of depending on, on what's happening in the different, you know, if we, we We do change up when we post to get us to understand when people are reacting to it and when they're starting to see it. So we we, as I said, we have got a you know a, a resource that is um, ongoing three days a week
0: for us. Yeah, okay, that's super helpful, I think, for others to to learn from as well. And also what you said about changing up the posting time from time to time to just see if you can have a better reach.
1: Well, yeah, and also too, the the two platforms change their algorithms all the time. So, um, and when they do that, that affects the timelines. So you have to adjust for that as well. You know, recently, Instagram changed their algorithms on the way people see your posts. So, in the initial part when they did that, there was a drop in numbers, but then our numbers have come back because we've adjusted. To when people are seeing it, so it's it's, it you've got to be really um, wary of what happens with the platforms themselves as well.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And yeah, the sneaky algorithms, yes, that's right. They keep us on our feet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you so much for sharing so many insights today. I have one last question: Are you shipping also your blankets internationally, or? Are you more focusing on the Australian market? How could people actually get so
1: access? you can yes we do ship free um, overseas if you buy through our website, um, but we are now looking to enter um, overseas markets with partners. So we are that's our next phase next year is to grow our overseas markets and presence.
0: Okay, that sounds exciting. Is yep. it also a question of? Um, it, what is it importing taxes that that are sometimes complicated with blankets or how no, things?
1: No, no, we we just um we we needed to get our local distribution correct first, and we I feel that we're doing that now, and it was always a um, planned progression. And now next year, we want to focus on our overseas markets.
0: Okay, well, those are exciting days ahead of Waverly Mills and tell us before we close where like what is your website and how can people connect with you
1: so the website is waverlymills.com so one word waverlymills.com and you can find if you look up uh, Waverly Mills on Instagram and Facebook um, you can connect with us there or, you know, if you can you can connect with us by just selling, sending us an email at hello at waverlymills.com and we'll get back to you.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. I really enjoyed our talk. And yeah, looking forward to thanks more. For, um,
1: thanks for having us on.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're welcome and all the best.
1: Thank you and bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye.
0: That was Andrew Kukurulu from Waverly Mills in Tasmania. One thing Andrew only mentioned to me after our talk is that Waverly Mills is taking part in a crowdfunding campaign on the platform Indiegogo. The campaign runs between the end of November 2017 and the end of January 2018. The goal is to save Australia's oldest woolen mill. You can get great waverly mill blankets and throws if you support this crowdfunding campaign you can find the link to the campaign in the show notes along with all the other websites and social media accounts mentioned in the episode today visit the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 057 once again elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 057 don't want to miss out on any of the future episodes. Then subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and also like us on Facebook at Elizabeth Van Delden. Thank you and see you next week.